So we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6 tonight. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into this message by the return to honor. Lord, let it not be my words. We just want to hear your truth. Holy Spirit, say what you want to say. We don't want to hear my words or my opinions. We just want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. A return to honor, a return to honor. This is going to be good ground tonight. I feel it. I, I want to say something, and, and you know, I, I haven't spoken a lot about it, and I, I think I really should. Um, and, and this may come off comical, but I, it, it's not meant to be. But, you know, I, we started Relentless almost this coming summer will be 10 years. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, almost a decade. And um, we've seen it go through different changes, and we've seen good times, and we've seen low times, and, and uh, there's, there's been times where we're gaining traction and, and all those things. This is just the, the ebbs and flows of ministry, and um, I, I'm loving seeing what God is doing in the house right now. And I, I'm about to get married, and I'm not, I'm not going to make this, please, please understand, this is not about celebrate that Kyle's getting married, what I'm about to say. I want y'all to hear me on this. But there is a significant, there is going to be a significant shift in this house when two people who are ordained to be together come together as, as man and wife. There is going to be a, a, a portion that this house has not experienced that is going to be released when we say I do. And um, I, I say that because I know that there is a lot of support and I know there's other whispers. And I'm going to be bold enough to say that this is a God-ordained thing. Amen. And if you don't like it, go to a God-ordained place. It might not be this place. And that's okay. Some of y'all are smiling like he finally said it. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this house and through us. There's going to be a release that we have never experienced before. And God is going to do some incredible things going forward in 2024. I don't know. I just, whew, I, don't, I, I don't know if I just felt like amen or a oh no, but I, I just, it's like a, like a, like, oh, amen? Okay, amen. And in moving forward, there's, New relationships, new friendships, there's new people coming into the house. And I think it's important to understand that we cannot just honor the people that have been here for 10 years. But those that have been here for 10 minutes are worthy as, as, with as much honor as you would give me. And we have got to start understanding that Every single one of us is a created man or woman of God. And there is something on each and every one of us. And that's what I want to talk about tonight in the return to honor, that there is a way that God wants us to operate 
in order, of, in order for us to walk as a true ecclesia, a, a people of God. I want to remind you of what's been going on in Malachi up to this point, that the people were complaining to God, accusing God. They're saying, God, where's the promise at? I think we've all been there at some degree. God, we've been doing all these things. Where's the promise? Where's the outpouring? I'm even there sometimes as someone who has started this house with just a, four, a few people you know, you, you ever, can we just get real? Have you ever get tired of hearing in church, it's about to happen and it's going to happen, but you never see nothing pour out? Is it, can, can we just be honest? I mean, it's almost like preacher talk to try to convince people of something that ain't going on. Is, is that okay to just get transparent? Like, like any of the mature people here that have heard that same line for 40 years, it's about to happen. It's a, y'all, y'all hear it, I said mature. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Right? Well, that's kind of where the people are at. They're like, well, when's it going to happen? We're, you know, we're here. We're in the place. When, when, what's going what, what's to happen? And God starts off. He says, well, let, let me remind you first that I love you. And I think that that's a very interesting thing because every time God is about to tell them exactly what they need to hear, he starts, before I tell you, before I tell you how it is, let me remind you that I love you. I think that in itself is a principle of honor. That when you're coming into this house to hear a word from the Lord through whoever brings it, whether it be me or someone else like Marty bringing it next week or, or whoever it might be. But when you come in here and you're hearing a word of God, we have to position ourselves to be reminded that he loves you so that you can receive what you feel like the preacher prepared just for you. Sometimes in a good way or sometimes in a bad way. It's comical to me when some people say, did you, did you use like a real-life example in your sermon to talk to me. And I'm like, do you think that you're the only person I think about? <laughs> Why does it seem personal to you? Because Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Okay? Let's get it right. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling saucy tonight. <laughs> He's, God said, I love you. I don't, I've never even said saucy. That's weird. <laughs> God reminded them he loved and then he told them, your offerings are defiled, are defiled. You call me master, you call me father, you don't act like it. I want a costly worship, but you don't give me a worship that costs anything. You give me a worship that's convenient. I want an offering that's wholehearted, all in, but you're only going halfway in. I want a, a, a people who worship in every single relationship with friendships and marriages and in the church. And last week he told them, That, hey, there is a call to prepare a way, and the way prepared is going to be for the Messiah, and he's wanting to refine and purge all these impurities out of the people. We we love to come together when it edifies, but for some reason we, we, we give credit to the enemy when it brings out impurities. That's not the enemy's doing. Well, going into this next part of Malachi, he's about to tell them another thing that they haven't gotten right. And he starts off in the same way as every time. Look at, look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord. I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. 
Let me say that in layman's terms. You know I love you because you're still here. I don't know if you notice it or not, but every time God brings correction, it brings a word of warning, he always starts by reminding them who he is and how much he loves them. He says, I do not change. That's why you're not destroyed. You see, God does not change his mind. He loves you and he chooses you. And if God did not love us, we would not be here. And some of us think, well, of course. But I think a lot of us actually question, does God love us? The fact that mankind is still here and still living in sin should tell you how much he loves you that he chooses not to destroy. He doesn't want us to be destroyed, and he's wanting and waiting for his church to come into alignment. The fact that we're still here alive and breathing is actually indicative of how much he loves us. And what's funny is that the world seems to be getting worse and worse, and he's still steady not doing anything different. Because he's constant. He's faithful. And if we're going to walk as the children of God, it would do us well to walk in his likeness. Just as before God brings correction, he reminds the people of how much he loves them. Perhaps before you bring correction, it would do you well to remind your family and your friends how much you love them. Perhaps before you talk to someone about how they offended you and wronged you, it would do you well to honor them and tell them how much you love and care for them. You start by telling them what they mean to you so that you prepare the ground for them to receive the rebuke or the correction or the miscommunication. It is the principle of honor. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And honor does not look like, let me find something wrong with you. (laughs) Honor is, I want to receive you as an anointed creation. And should something come up, as it often does, I will treat that inconsistency with the honor I give who you truly are. So in, in other words, if, if I'm talking to John, Mr. John, John Collins, when I look at him, I think of him as a man of God. He is a created man vessel of God. That is how I honor him. That is how I receive him. But as a man of God, as a vessel of God, there's going to be times when John Collins does something that anointed godly man should not be doing and may offend me. Maybe he says something about me. Maybe he does something to me that I don't like. When I address that action, I don't address him as a man who is, has an issue. I honor him even in the inconsistency as who he truly is. And because I honor him and and, and build a ground of honor, I can bring out the inconsistency. 
because he knows I'm not trying to put him down for his inconsistency. I know who he is and pointing out that this is not part of who you are. That's how true people of God honor one another. There's going to be times in my marriage that she is going to have to remember. What a catch I am. And we're laughing, but I think all the married couples in here can shout amen to that. That you have to remember who they are in order to receive them who they is in that moment. Right? And I think we have to remember that's how God approaches us. He's, he, he didn't come to redeem. The, oh, this, this, this is confrontational. He didn't come to redeem the sinner. He came to redeem the true you who fell into sin. Because he loves you, he said, let me redeem the sin. Not let me just take pity on a sinner. Is that okay? Okay. He says, he doesn't even identify. He says, because you are worthy, I'm going to give you my son. Because the price he's paying at death on the cross is for something valuable called you. You, know, you want to know how much you cost? The death of the Messiah. And you don't pay a high cost for something that don't value much. Your value is the death of the son. So he saw you as that valuable. So he says, let me honor who you are despite what I see. The honor of God to us, he views us as who we truly are and he acts accordingly. He says, because I honor my creation, I give you my son. Because I honor my creation, I'm going to give straight talk to you. Matthew 10, 40-41. Anyone who receives me, or anyone who receives you, receives me. Anyone who receives me, receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. Anyone who receives you receives me. Anyone who receives me receives the Father. Why? It's the principle of honor and the principle of representation. He's saying, hey, disciples, because of who you are, who are you? Disciples are people who represent who? God. Because of who you are, the way they treat you is as if it were being done to me. And therefore, the way it will be done to the Father, because you're honoring who they truly are, a creation of God. So it would do you well to handle God's handiwork. So no matter how much, you know, Devin gets it wrong, you don't find issue of how to divide from Devin. You honor God's handiwork. You, 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 don't, you don't try to find the issues, you honor who they are. And the way you honor 
someone who might get it wrong every day. <laughs> I'm going to pay for this later. The, <laughs> from Rob. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the way you honor someone who may be getting it wrong is the way you view your God. Because you just looked at them and said, this, this is you? How you treat them is represented in how your view of God really is. Because if I understand this is a, create, a creation of God, I would handle with care. You want to know how Jesus showed that the priest didn't know the Father? The way they handled Jesus. You want to know how we see how the people handled the Father and handled Jesus? The way they martyred the apostles. Killed them. And yet they said they were doing it in the name of the Father, not in the name of the Father we know. Because the way they treated those apostles is the way they received Jesus, which is the way they received the Father. And this should change everything about how we receive each other. Stop looking at people and identifying them as sin and start honoring them as God's handiwork. The principle of honor. You get the same reward that is due them because honor unlocks the blessings of heaven. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a pastor in the name of a pastor, you will receive a pastor's reward. In other words, what God wants to do in me, you can tap into by the way you honor and those that don't know how to, it's not about, <laughs> look at them. It's, I, I pray for them because they don't know how much blessing they're locking up. I, the older I get, which is not that old, but I've been in ministry a long time, I'm starting to understand when, when people say something wrong about me, it becomes a point of prayer, not a, not a pointing of a finger. Because they don't know what they just locked up and may have to go through five or ten more years of stuff to get it. Or maybe two months. I don't know their journey. And that is why when people have issue with me, everything about me tries to honor them. Because they may be a pastor. They may be a prophet. They may be a this or this or that. Everyone is something. And the way I receive you affects what unlocks for me. So why do I put up with so much junk? Because I'm not going to let your junk lock up the heavens over my life. And we should all bring that mindset on. Is this too much? Okay. 
And some of us are trying to discern correctly so much that the enemy is using God's gift of discernment as his gift of building up a wall. And you don't understand that your wall of protection is actually locking up heaven's rewards because you have so many walls built up that you don't have a chance to honor and receive them in the name of Jesus. Receive them, it says, because of their righteousness instead of, de instead of denying them because of their imperfections. God says, you're still here because I don't change. And I honor who you are, not what you do. So honor them for who they are, not what they do. But we still have a responsibility, a responsibility to return. Malachi 3, verse 7. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? God says to Malachi, even though I love you, even though I haven't destroyed you, even though I've done all, even though I have graced you to live, you've scorned my decrees and you don't obey a thing. In other words, God says, people of God, you have presumed upon my faithfulness. You have taken advantage of my patience. You've taken advantage of my goodness and you don't do anything. Unfortunately, that's the grace message in the church of today. Because Jesus died, you can get away with it. That's the grace message. You know what God says to that? Stop taking advantage of my goodness. Stop taking advantage of me and return to me because you see my love on display. And if you return to me, I will return to you. In other words, repent. Well, how will God return to them? Because the last time I checked, God's everywhere. The return isn't that God left them. It's the blessings and marks of his presence will be obvious among the people. Because honor is living in a way that is indicative of your revelation of his here and now presence. The way you live indicates how aware you are that he is with you every moment. He says, return to the type of living as if I was with you every second, every step, and every decision. A lifestyle of honor is returned to a he is here lifestyle. His return is not I'm not here. God's return is when you honor that I am here, my promises will break through an unseen realm into your seen realm. And your mind will view it as my return. Honor is a return to worship. Is this too heavy or is this okay? God looks at the people and says, I know what you're asking. He says, you ask, how can we return? We've never gone away. The people in Malachi are saying, God, we show up to church. We're doing all the stuff. We pray. We put on the right robes. We burn the right incense. We have a certain time we got to come to temple. We're doing all the right stuff. Sounds a lot like today. When we come every Saturday to the temple at 6 o'clock, 
Some of us at five. Some of us at four. We put, most of us put on the right clothes. We, 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 we sing the right songs. So what do you mean, God, that we, what do you mean we've, we've gone away? And when the people don't know how to return, it's either because of lack of knowledge or simply a choice. Well, how do we return to God? And this is where it starts getting into the stuff that we don't like to hear. Verse 8. Should people cheat God? Yet you cheated me, but you ask, how, what do you mean? When, when do we ever cheat you, God? You cheated me at the tithes and offerings due to me. Now, some versions don't say cheat God. Some people say, will a man rob God? Why would God call not giving tithes and offerings cheating or robbery? Because they had unlawful possession of what belonged to God. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The fact is, everything is God's. The earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. So the way God works, he says, this is all mine. But I created you to manage it. It's all mine. I created you to manage every bit of it. So the way I honor you as creative managers is manage everything with 90% of everything I've made and just return back to me 10. Are, are you hearing this? He says, I'm going to honor you in that I made you to rule this earth. So I'm going to give you 90% of everything to do it. Just give me a little bit. And in verse 9, because they weren't giving him the little bit, the 10% says, you are under a curse because the whole nation has been cheating me. God looks at the people and says, return to me. Come out of the curse you're under. How do we come out the curse? He says, honor my way. Honor my way. And one of the ways that the people had dishonored him is the tithe. And I find it so funny that one of the biggest arguments in the church today is tithe still New Testament. Well, let me answer the question. Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 18. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear. Hold on. Is heaven still here? Is earth still here? Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Jesus did not abolish the law. He fulfilled it. And by the way, Hebrews 7 explains that the way of his law, even tithing, came before Moses. Meaning we do not have to keep this law to be saved. Tithing does not save you. 
But law is law in the idea that it does have benefits if we'll work it. Because it's always a word of God. Jesus fulfilled what the law was for. What did the law try to do? Make you holy, make you clean. Jesus says, I've got that. But what his laws are still, they are access points for heaven's realms to be opened. Do you hear that? Law is not about am I right. Honoring the law is how can I unlock the heavenlies? If you read the Ten Commandments, do you realize that half of them are about honoring each other and the other half are honoring him? Honor, honor, honor. One of these laws that unlocks heavenly realms is the law of the tithe. These are not up here. But in Leviticus 27 and Numbers 18, they were giving a tenth of their land, their produce, their herds. In Genesis 28, Jacob pledged a tenth. In Genesis 14, Abraham gave a tenth. Tithing is not a law introduced in Malachi. It is a way of living from the beginning of time. Let me show you in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. Look what the gift is. The best portions of the firstborn lands from his flock. The best of the best. The best of his first. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. He looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. Y'all hear that? It's not that God put a seal on Cain's faith. Because we've always read, well, God didn't accept Cain and Cain got mad. That's not the whole picture. He did not accept Cain in his offering. But he gave him a way out. He says, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. I'm about to tell you something that maybe some of you have never heard before. You do not choose your temptations. They choose you. You know what they're doing? They're crouching, waiting at the door, and the only permission they need is when you don't honor the ways of God. No one ever heard of murder. So how did Cain do it? Because you know what murder was doing? And when Cain would not bring what God required, the door opened. And the next verse, Cain looks at Abel and says, let's take a walk and murder his brother. A lot of your sin can be overcome by returning to honor. We, we, we try to overcome sin by dealing with the sin. When a lot of the times you deal with sin, 
is figuring out where has the honor been lost in God's ways. Because you've unlocked, you've, you've given it an open door to come through. Is this helping anybody? Return to, he even told Cain, oh, you want to be accepted? Do you want the favor? Return to me. Even in Genesis chapter 2, I want you to look at this in verse 15 to 17. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree, all of them, all this fruit, except for two. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. I'm going to stop there. Since the beginning, God says, if you would just not touch what's mine, you'd walk in complete freedom. He looked at Adam and Eve and he didn't say, you can't have this and this and this. He said, you can have everything, but just this small portion, please don't touch it. And when they did touch it, you know what was crouching at the door? Humiliation. Rebellion. They put clothes on and they didn't show up for the walk. Because they walked out of honor. And God showed up saying, where are you at? Oh, you took what was mine. See, this isn't, this isn't really just about tithing. This is honor my ways because it's the key to living in freedom. If they would have honored, don't touch it, there would have been endless freedom. Can you imagine the freedom of not knowing what bitterness is? Of not knowing what spite is? Of not knowing envy? Of not knowing jealousy? And all they had to do was eat anything except of this tree. Continuing on Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. This, this is about to get good. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. I do not believe that this passage has been taught correctly. We don't have to tithe to be made right. But if we tithe, it is a key to unlock heaven's realms. Here's the principle. If you saw in the scripture, it says, I will guard them from insects and disease. This phrase in many translations actually more accurately says, I will rebuke the devourer. The Hebrew word translated devourer means eater and refers to the locust or caterpillar or any creature that devours crops. You see, there were swarms of locusts that were common in the Middle East in those days, and they would destroy virtually any produce of the entire country. The devastation brought by locusts was horrific, and when God said he would rebuke the devourer, he was promising them, I'm going to protect you from any of these natural disasters, if you will. I'm going to protect you from what's trying to steal all the stuff that you're putting in the ground. 
Because it don't matter how much crops they planted. The crops didn't stand a chance to even get rooted. Because the locusts would what? Eat them up. The promise of God to rebuke the devourer was conditional. If you would stop robbing me and give me what's mine. In Malachi 3, we just read, as required by the law, then God would keep the devourer from eating all the stuff that's preventing you from growing healthy crops. The devourer is not Satan. The devourer is actually a curse on the ground. What curse? Genesis 3.17 says the ground is cursed. Meaning we have to work it, serve it, give in order for us to walk in God-given authority. And the problem is many serve, many give. And just like the people of Malachi, we're doing all the church stuff, but we're not seeing blessing. We put serving into the ground. We serve in every church event, and we're still not seeing breakthrough. We give our time to the church, and we're still not seeing prayers answered. Serving, time, money are seeds that we sow in the ground. The problem is, if we're not seeing blessings, it means that your seeds are not getting in the ground to grow and produce fruit. So if the principle is you reap what you sow, if we're sowing money and sowing time and sowing our service, why aren't we reaping anything? Because there is a curse on the ground that every time you put a seed on the ground, a devourer is going to eat it up. Every time. He says you can serve all day and put it in the ground and it ain't going to grow. You can give dollars in the offering plate every day and it ain't going to grow. You can be at the church every day and get it in the ground and nothing's going to grow. And God says, you want to know how it's going to grow? Rebuke the devourer with your tithe. So what does tithe do? Tithe breaks a curse so that when you put a seed of time, the devourer cannot touch the seed. Well, I give offerings of money all the time. If you are not seeing a return on your investment, it's because every time you put it in, if you have not rebuked the devourer with a 10% tithe portion given unto God, every time you sow, yes, even money, it's going to... That was weird. Getting eaten up. Because the only thing that rebukes a devourer is not your offering. The tithe is the key to rebuking the seed eater. Are y'all getting this? Have y'all heard this like this? When we tithe, it lifts a curse called seed eater so that every seed offering, your time, your talent, and your treasure can get in the ground and grow. Tithing is not about being made right. It is a key that allows offerings to get in the ground and bear fruit. <clears throat> I, sir, I left college 
to, to get into ministry and serve that ministry for seven years. Let me paint a picture of what seven years was in that ministry. Pee Wee and Angela there, they can attest to this. It wasn't I get to preach. It wasn't I was just a youth minister and I, and I played with the music ministry. It wasn't that. It was I did the music. I had to do the youth. I had to do the kids. I had to travel with our school's football team. I had to cut the grass. I had to weedy. I had to, I, I had to do everything you could think of. I had no life of my own. My mom can say amen to that. And then seven years in, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. No money. Quarter million dollar surgery. Got qualified for half off. Had to come up with 125000 No one in Savannah wanted to touch it. Only all, I had to go to a private hospital, Emory. They said, you ain't got interns. You got to pay cash or we can't touch you. I'm trying to raise money. Nothing's coming in. And I went to the beach. I tell the story sometimes, but it doesn't get old for me. And I said, God, I left everything for you. Why won't you give me the means to meet this need? I serve. I give you my time. And he said, I don't care how much time you give me, boy. It's not getting into the ground. I started tithing, and in three months, all that money came in. And all it took was a simple law of God to unlock a realm of heaven and rebuke the devourer. That's all. That's it. If I can just be honest, I have seen over the years... Offering envelopes come in with $3. And I know that person. And I think, my God, that $3 rebuked what that person's 100 couldn't. Because it's not about the amount. It's the portion. Honor his ways. And you'll be blessed. I'm going to read verse 10 again. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to contain it. Try it. Put me to the test. I want, I want to remember two things out of this. Number one, God commanded the people to test the principle. See, he says, if you would just give it to me, I want you to see that you, can outgive, you cannot outgive God. He says, you give me 10%, a portion, I'll open the windows of heaven. And I, I, I want to say this right here because I, I, I don't know if this is going through your mind, but I want to make sure that we're clear on this. Relentless church is doing fine. We, we, we are in the best day of our giving. We have more than enough funds in the bank account. We are taking care of everything we need, and tithing and offering is not low. I didn't bring a tithe message at the end of the year because we, 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 need, we have more than enough. This is not about I'm trying to coax you into giving to the church. This is I'm trying to show you how to unlock heaven over your life. Second point, the food in the temple was actually about supporting the priests. 
in 1 Timothy, it even says that the minister of the church is more worthy of pay than the poor. You know what it was addressing? People who will give to the needy, but they don't want to feed a preacher. Now, let me say this again. I am doing just fine. And I'm not going to ask for extra offerings or nothing like that. Y'all know me, that, or some of y'all do. That's not me. But what I am saying is that there is a set-aside place called a storehouse that your portion should be given to. And if it's not being given to a set-aside place called the storehouse, you're out of alignment and don't complain about no blessings. The storehouse was a place in the temple where the grains were stored. A tenth of their possession. It was a consecrated, set-apart place. So you bring a, rep a representation of your whole to a consecrated, set-apart place called a storehouse. And that obedience of giving to a set-aside storehouse, you know what it unlocks? A heavenly storehouse of every blessing and provision you need to accomplish your purpose to be unlocked from the heavens. Because you know what God said? It's finished. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You know what that means? Everything you need is set aside somewhere, consecrated for you. You can, you can never use the excuse of, I don't have what I need to accomplish my purpose. If you don't have what you need, I guarantee you I can tell you where it is. It's in the storehouse. Can I go one step further? Yes. And, and this, this is the stuff that preachers don't want to do. Storehouse for you don't have to be entirely relentless. See, that's what the preachers don't want to say because this is when they, 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 they change it to get all the money out of the people. You know what storehouse is? Storehouse is where you receive from. If you receive from multiple places, I encourage you to split your tithe if you need to. What preacher says that junk? Because it, it, it's, it's, it's not a marketing scheme to support Relentless. This is a key that unlocks the storehouses of heaven over your life. You just got to make sure you identify your storehouses. And let me say this. An outreach ministry serving homeless is not a storehouse. It's an offering. When I say storehouse, I'm talking about the place you receive from, not the place you try to bless. Because you're putting back in what you're getting. I don't tithe to Relentless anymore. I did it for about seven years. I now tithe to NEI, where I'm covered under. And you know what happened when I shifted that? I was so scared because I was one of the biggest tithers. When I shifted it, guess what happened to the tithing offering? That, I think that year is when we went from like 250 grand a year to like 550 grand. Because there's, there's a storehouse to be unlocked. Where am I at? <clears throat> Look at verse 13 of Malachi chapter 3. 
You said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins? From now on, we're just going to call the arrogant blessed for those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. The people saw the proud prosper, the ones operating in the ways of the world, and they felt it was useless to serve God. They said, what's the use of keeping the commands in the world if the world moves forward and we don't? I ask you, are you willing to walk in his ways when it doesn't seem profitable? Because you can judge the way of your walk by two things. How does this benefit me now? Or how is this indicative of my relationship with my Father in heaven? Could God be so good that he knows the best time to open up the storehouse and let it rain? But you're judging God because he hasn't let it rain on you right now. Could it be he knows when to unlock it? I think it's an important thing to remember. Just because you tithe today don't mean you're getting your blessing tomorrow. It's good to keep his commands, but know that honor will always cost you something. You want to you, you you know what honor costs me sometimes, more than often than not? My pride as a man. Because I have to engage with things that I know have done me wrong, but I am not trying to engage to make myself look like the better person. I'm trying to find a way to engage to make sure that the light of God shines into every aspect of the conversation. Do I get it wrong? Absolutely. But I can tell you that that's my heart. How do I honor this more than proving myself right? The people in Malachi were like, this cost is not worth it. Because they were seeing with their natural eye. Not hearing the voice of God. But here's where it shifts. Because some of the people, when they were listening, they got it. They understood exactly what God was saying. And in verse 16, it says, Those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. And in his presence, I'm gonna, I'm, before I read the rest, I want you to catch that. This whole chapter, he's, he's talking about, I'm going to return to you. And look at the wording that Malachi just used. When they started speaking of the Lord and what they heard, in his presence. You know what happened at the end of Malachi 3 after all this, return to me and I'll return to you? They returned. And guess what it invited? The presence of God in their midst. So it says a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. When they heard the word of God, they started talking about the goodness of God and how they could align with God. They didn't talk about how prophecy isn't a gift for today. They didn't start talking about how Malachi, Malachi knows our stuff. He's been being judgmental. He's just picking on us. They, they, they didn't do any of that. When they heard the word of the Lord, they received Malachi as a prophet 
and they received a prophet's reward. Presence. I want peace over my home. I ask you, maybe you should identify some places maybe you haven't honored. Do you still hold grudge and bitterness to family members that have done you wrong when you could honor them with forgiveness? And then when you honor them with the seed of forgiveness, peace unlocks from the storehouses of heavens into your home? What do you want more, peace or to hold a grudge that you should have never even known what it looked like? Many of us have been hurt by church. Many, many of us. Relentless has, has, like, it's been turned into this place where someone said it best. I've heard from a couple of people. It's the church of the, uh, the island of misfit toys. <laughs> people that have had tremendous gifts that no one will use. Everyone overlooks. And for some reason, all the misfits are coming here under this crazy dude. But we're not going to walk into our full potential if we keep regarding each other based off of what we experienced yesterday. Can I tell you, the enemy is more scared of your future than he is of your past. If you look through scripture, I, I thought about doing this for the Christmas, my Christmas message this year. If you notice in scripture, over and over, think about when the king ordered for the murder of all the babies. He wasn't scared of babies. He was scared of what their future was about. And many of us get so wrapped up in our past that we're not honoring present that brings us into the future that the enemy wants you to get blurred vision for because he keeps getting you back to yesterday. You know what you should do? Honor your yesterday by forgiveness and this was not done right and move forward into your future. That's a return to honor. I had to learn that. <clears throat> well, about, about four years ago when we got this facility, I had to forgive some things in my past and what I didn't about ministers who I felt like done me wrong. And I did wrong to them too. And what I did not realize is in honoring that, I realized I needed something that I had turned my back on. I needed spiritual coverings in my life. I needed more. I needed to get in new circles. And when I got in some new circles and, and, and embraced my spiritual fathers as they really were, not, not just men, but spiritual fathers, I, I, I saw an increase. I thought like that's a word for someone that there needs to be a return to honor and what's happening in your past for you to start walking into your future, into your purpose. Because God hasn't changed it. He doesn't change. Remember what happened to Jonah? He got locked up in a whale until he finally said, yes, Lord. Could it be that 
your miserable present is simply your will? They spoke with each other about what the Lord said, and his presence showed up. The storehouse was open because honor caused the return. You see, when you talk about this truth with each other, it demands presence. The people saw the wicked reward and they thought, God forgot about us. But Malachi showed them a different promise. In verse 17, it says, when they acknowledged him, they will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I'll spare them as a father spares an obedient child. When you return, he says, you'll be my people. I'll spare you. He says, you'll be my own special treasure. The new King James says, they'll be mine. I will make them my jewels. You know what God's promising the people? When you return to me, I'm going to make sure that you are set apart. Consecrated for a purpose. You'll be like a jewel that stands out from all the rest. And to drive the point home further, he closes chapter 3 with this verse 18. And then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who don't. The people of God will be distinguished when there is a return to honor. Honoring each other, honoring his ways. You see, it's not about let's get everything right so that we can be right. It's let's turn the keys of honoring his ways so that we can be revealed as distinguished. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm delivered. But for the rest of my life, there are going to be access points where I can choose honor or not. And the more I choose honor, the more I will be distinguished in the way I talk to people, the way I respond to people. The way we receive each other is how we view the Father. So the next time you, you hear or see someone say something about a fellow believer, pray. Because they're locking themselves up. The next time you say something about a fellow believer, the next time you talk yourself out of, I don't need to tithe because God knows my need. No, 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 you need to tithe because God knows your need. Because again, he says, I've given it to you. It's right here. Now enter the pen. What pen? Tithe. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bless those who persecute you. Not persecute, not persecute those who persecute you. You see, it's all, it's, all, it's all in his storehouse. Now he says, return and honor this storehouse. He says, it's mine. Your response is mine, is what he says. 
give it to him. And heaven will open up. And I believe if we can just embrace this principle of honor, there will not be room enough to contain. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. And, and And this is not different from my vision. And if you think it is, pray about it and realize you're wrong. But if if we would return to honor, we would not be able to have a property that would contain the amount of people wanting to get in the presence of God. I speak that. And I want you to hear me. I still believe in a vision of growing small. I still believe in the vision of home churches. I still embrace a vision of it's impossible for one man to pastor thousands of people. But if we would honor the ways of God, all of you in here could be playing a part in pastoring the thousands of people. Because we're walking out of a day when it's about a man in the pulpit and walking in today into a day where it's a people walking in purpose. There will be a day when the words of this house and the worship of this house will affect thousands and thousands and none of them will know who I am and that will be a good day because it's going to be about who he is. And I will cast the vision again and again. If we were returned to honor, there will be a day when there will be more people worshiping Forsyth than at the Savannah Music Festival. Forsyth Park will be crowded with people wanting to get in the presence of God. And it will be so packed that they can't go old school and try to get to the altar the moment they set foot on the grass. That's the altar call. I, I believe it with everything that I am. And it won't be a round of applause when Pastor Kyle gets up on the stage. Because the presence will be so thick that we won't have time for a sermon. It'll just be worship and worship. And when they want to get taught the word, they've got to go find someone and go to their home. Are y'all catching the vision of the house? It won't, be, it, it won't be let's set up some healing lines. Because the moment they come into agreement on the grass, all their sickness just... Yeah. The moment they roll on the grass, they won't need a wheelchair. I, I believe in a presence so thick that no man can get credit for it. And that's what's going to cause people to run and come. Because no one will get credit for it. But you know where it starts? Honor. Right here. And you know, the crazy part about this is as much as I'm preaching this message, I guarantee you I'll still have to deal with someone who gets offended by something I said. And you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to honor them. And even though they think I preached this message about them, even right now, they probably think I'm talking to them, and I'm not. And I'm not even saying it. I'm not talking about anyone specific. But you know what I have to do? I have to honor that and let it be. Because I care more about what's unlocking from heaven 
than me getting made out to be right or above. So let the heavens be open. Amen. Let's stand. Let's give God praise tonight. Come on. Give God praise.